This podcast is powered by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. The club broke, Roger. I never drink water on tour. All you got to do is just tap it in. I don't think the heavy stuff's going to come down for quite a while. If your head was a touch softer, I'd be in the fairway. I never miss with the seven. Well, hey, golf fans. Welcome to a Good Lie Podcast. I think that's what we decided this thing's going to be called. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me is my uh, longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And I guess our resident golf expert. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call him. He's better than us at golf. But uh, Rose, welcome to the show. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. <laughs> We're creating this show because there's just not enough golf podcasts out there. We searched golf podcasts and listened to a few, and there's only, I don't know, 10,000. So we thought we, we need one more. And the fact is that we record from the epicenter of America, and uh, we're going to talk about stuff that happens around our neck of the woods as well. And I don't know that anybody actually does talk about golf in uh, Missouri, which is where we are. I certainly haven't heard anyone mention Missouri when they talk about golf in a podcast. (laughs) No, but I honestly, I believe that Missouri is a great state for golf because I think the landscape is uh, diverse enough. You can get all kinds of different styles of golf. What they're doing in Branson, the Lake of the Ozarks has a ton of golf, obviously Kansas City and St. Louis. I think it's more of a golf state than people realize, but because of being in the Midwest rather than like Arizona and Florida, I don't know. People just don't think this is where you go to golf, but there's a lot to do here. I don't know. Most of those guys seem to come out of like, if you talk about PGA golfers, I feel like they're, they're in warm locations, Florida, California, places where they played year around. But you know, we've got a few Missouri golfers, Hayden Buckley. No, he's from Louisiana. Never mind. <laughs> no, he's, he he's from Mizzou. He's from Mississippi actually. Well, he's Let's from not about the legend that is John Bailey. Oh yeah. Well, we got Daly when, Oh, uh, Watson, Tom Watson. Yeah. And of course, uh, Payne Stewart was a Missouri guy and they named the course after him down there in Branson, the Tiger Woods course. Have you played that Rose? I have. Uh, it's a beautiful, amazing piece of property. Wow. What he's doing down there is incredible. Did you play mall? What did you play? Where did we play? We played Tiger's course. We played Buffalo Ridge. Uh, and then we played, I think it's called Ozarks national, which is a God awful place to play hungover. that was it was the third day of our three-day uh outing and i i think the best guy shot like a 98 so it was it was it was rough uh you can lose a lot of balls there it's very pretty uh the other two are are nicer it is very pretty but it is a hard trap so did you have a favorite i haven't played at all um it's it's a little hard tiger's course isn't quite finished yet so it's it is incredibly beautiful, and that, that 19th hole thing is one of the neatest things I've ever seen on a golf course, uh, really anywhere, let alone a golf course. But it's not completely finished, so I'm sure it's going to be very impressive with the waterfalls and everything like that when it's done. It's very open, so there's a lot of area to miss there. Um, it's not like the hardest course in the world, but as far as like aesthetics, it's, it's great. But I would, I would honestly say Buffalo Ridge was my favorite that we played, just because it had enough of the... The challenge to it, as well as uh, just everything on it is pristine. It's been there a long time, so it's fixed up very nice. Everything is spotless. Uh, the way it's manicured is, is beautiful. It's as good as anything I've ever I've ever played on, for sure. The Stewart course, the Tiger Woods course, they put all these waterfalls and rock fixtures and stuff in. I just wondered if it, it it's for effect, but does it 
come off as gimmicky at all, or does it seem you think it'll actually just look like natural when it's all grown in? It'll look natural when it's all grown in. They're literally like with shovels and picks excavating the clay out of this bluff, and then they're pumping in the water that runs down over it that'll run down into that lake that you see around the 19th hole when you look up pictures of it. Um, So there's a few that already go that are already flowing, and there's a ton more. From what I understand, like the entire thing is going to be a big wall of water that's not quite there yet. But it's just a really neat way to finish. I mean, it probably takes 20 minutes on your cart whenever you're done playing the 19th hole to drive up through the cave and you wind up through that bluff all the way back up to the clubhouse. And it's just kind of unlike anything I've ever really seen before on a golf course. It's impressive what money can buy. (laughs) (laughs) I know, Brennan, you're right. I was thinking, when I sometimes look at those pictures, I imagine like waiting in line at a... uh, Disneyland or like Six Flags where they have some ride where it's like the Boulder Express or the, yeah. you know, the log wire. And they got fake rocks, you know, along the, for affect as you wait in line. Sometimes when I see the pictures, it looks like, like does, is it all going to look like a natural part of the landscape or is it going to be a little bit, Disney I don't know. Movie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Disney Space Mountain. Well, do you remember, uh, do you, you guys remember Dog Patch down at the Lake of the Ozarks? well and if anybody listening is either too young or not from the area dog patch is sort of a very small potatoes version of i don't know amusement park or some sort of i don't know they had rides they had arcade games and stuff but it was very hokey and and very themed hillbilly shit and you know i can just imagine being at the tiger woods course popping out from a cave and there's something like an outhouse with an old like animatronic hillbilly like prospector (laughs) and be like get out of here i'm taking a shit <laughs> well i'll tell you what i probably won't find out for a while because every time i look at the prices i'm just like god the tiger woods that whole branson thing is just cost prohibitive and we're in missouri you know yeah. what i mean like i can't imagine people flying across the country to do it i'm just like they will they're really proud of it right now and i don't think they're probably gonna any less proud of it because i see commercials and literally on the golf channel and i see ads in the golf magazines i'm like they are pumping it as like a national place if you love golf you have to visit what was it a year ago or two years ago i mean they had tiger woods and rory mcelroy and i think justin thomas i can't remember who all but all playing that and it was just a it was just a pure advertisement for the place on the golf channel and so it's like yeah i mean they're plugged in they are making this a this is not intended just for the local yokels to play golf here this is going to fly people in it's my understanding based on some conversations with some of the staff and stuff there uh, which so it could be total rumor, but there's another trek of property there that's undeveloped that has been purchased and they're supposed to build what they, I think, want to be a PGA level course there to make it a full-blown golf destination. Like he wants it to be the premier place in the country to go play golf. Yeah. But back to Colin's point, it is cheaper for us to go to Scottsdale, like including plane tickets and play for three days out there than it was for us to drive two hours from the house and play three days down there and stay. So you're not whining about the price. It is a factor to consider because, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's nice. I'd like for to do the it. high handicapper, hopefully there's a lot of golfers that are going to listen to this and many of them are going to be better golfers than us and maybe scratch golfers. And it's like, if I was a scratch golfer, it might be easier for me to want to pay big bucks to play that course, but I'm going to have to get a little better at golf before I want to make that sort of investment. You know, I, like watching the players, I was like, I think I would shoot maybe a 125 there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> oh it would, somebody said, you want to go play TPC Sawgrass? And wouldn't that be amazing? I'm like, absolutely. I want to play it. I'm just not sure I can, even if they'll let me, especially in the, the weather conditions they were dealing with. I'm like, I just like, I would, that's a day I can't golf. <laughs> I know. And I mean, normal people, 
aren't golfing. <laughs> I think most of the guys there would have preferred that they weren't golfing that day. I mean, goodness gracious. It was, I mean, it, it made it dramatic and it made it entertaining. I mean, we're kind of switching gears. I do want to say before we get launched into it too much, we have a guest, Scott Hovis from the Missouri Golf Association. We're going to be excited to partner with him and he's going to talk to us about things going on this season when it comes to golf locally but back to what colin was saying the players oh my god sometimes these tournaments lack drama and i think this built drama in but i don't think it's the kind of drama anybody at the tv networks or any of the players would have wanted because it pushed the days i mean what did it finish monday it was night? hard to watch yeah it was i looked forward to watching it like literally i just you, as you guys know i just got high-speed internet out in the boonies where I live and I'm canceling my cable because I'm going to be able to stream everything now but I kept my cable before I canceled just so I could make sure I could watch the players live and it was just weather had just just ruined it you know I didn't know it was going to be on or off or on or off turn on the tv nope they're on rain delay and then not finishing up till Monday it really was a Sunday morning you woke up to him playing the second round I think on Sunday morning yeah well, for me too, I got Hulu. And when you go to like look up sports and stuff, sometimes you get what's playing now. And sometimes you can look, you know, you can play the first round. I was never sure if what I was looking at was live or not. Cause usually it's pretty easy. If it's Saturday, it's the third round. If it's Sunday, it's the final round. But like I could be watching the first round on Friday and be like, this is live or is it not live? I could, I mean, I didn't even know what I was watching half the time. <laughs> yeah, they kept jumping back to last year. So, no, I mean, the course under normal conditions it is amazing to watch what those guys can do and i mean you look at cam smith who ultimately won the thing that shot he put on 17th like he was up wasn't he up two strokes at that point like balls well they of- talked to him in the interview after that and they're like he was like were you intending to be that aggressive he goes no absolutely not <laughs> and so he's like he was yeah. he wasn't trying to hit that shot but he just it worked out great but he even yeah. he admitted that that wasn't he wasn't trying to go that hard at it. It was no. an amazing golf shot. If he was Phil Mickelson, he would have been like, absolutely, it was on purpose. I got stones, brother. But <laughs> Cam, Cam, like Cam, Cam Smith, slightly less him. full of shit than like Phil Mickelson. <laughs> he looks like somebody drug him out of like a Muni course in West Memphis and threw him on the PGA Tour. I appreciate that guy. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect him to be an Aussie. Right. <laughs> that guy's pounding PBRs. It was not the right strategy. What, the- if he went for it. in that players for the guys who got the bad draw and had to play in that weather, that was crazy. Like seeing just what Justin Thomas did and what Bubba Watson did were like being able to play all those shots and like everybody is just bogeying it up. And those one, those guys are two under and three under respectively because they just are magicians with a golf ball. And it was really like, it showed you like, even when the best golfers are playing, there is a divide when the conditions and the golf course are as difficult as that day. Like, some of those guys that are on a beautiful day are just amazing golfers just fall apart. And the crazy thing is, is Bubba Watson shoots three under in the most miserable conditions, probably shoots one of the best rounds of golf any person could ever shoot. And then follows it up like a 75 and a 78 or something crazy like that. Finished like second to last in the tournament. Like he needed a reason to lock in or something. Shoots a three under in those conditions and throws up a 78. <laughs> Nothing was more entertaining to me than watching those guys in those conditions like all of them come through and play 17 though like that was i could have just watched 17 all day and been perfectly happy and i don't know if this is available on cable but like i said watching it through hulu you can they have like featured hole and you can just watch one hole as all the players go through 17 i was obviously that featured hole for that tournament but 
like that is one way to watch. I I'm, I appreciate that that's available that you can actually watch golf. I mean, that's what kind of the experience you might have if you go to the tournament and decide you're going to camp at a hole rather than follow a player. I was listening to a podcast about the players and they're talking about the 17th hole and they were talking about how that day when everybody was hitting it into the water because of all the wind, they had it broken down by percentage by apex of the shot. Like if they kept it under 40 feet, 40% of people hit the green. And if it got up to like 50 feet, it, you know what I mean? Like it got exponentially worse and worse and worse. The guys that got an apex of like a hundred feet or more, it was like 15% of people hit the green. It was just, you had to flight it down mm-hmm. and put spin on it. And that's what I mean. Like some of these guys are Justin Thomas are just magicians. They can hit a fade, they can hit a draw, they can take it, they can balloon it or they can knock it down. I mean, like they just do whatever it takes or whatever they need to do. It's all in their bag. It's it's just remarkable. And it's not even that normal to PGA Tour players because, I mean, there's just not that many guys that have all of the shots. It's what makes Justin Thomas and like Rory Macro and guys like that definitively better than everybody else, even though they may not win the tournaments every week. It's just like they're a, like a baseball player. They're a five-tool player. They do everything well. Speaking of Rory, he's a guy that's, he's kind of odd. I, I feel like when Rory's on, like his his best is better than just about anybody on tour, if not anybody. Yeah, him tour. and T- Justin Thomas is on off, Right. But he's, he's off so much more than I feel like JT is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, JT's Rory, more consistent. Right. Like Rory's, he's either just dead on and just absolutely slays a field, or he will not be able to hit his ass with both hands for like three months. Well, and I and feel he's like kind of in that like not able to hit his ass spot at the moment. I think he'll still put up like two, like the first two, make the cut and be like in the top thirty, and then decide right. to fall apart on the weekend. <laughs> right. Um, I was thinking the the guys who are really going to be maybe had an advantage at the players, especially on the was it uh, Friday, Thursday, and Friday when the conditions were so bad. Were you know there's a slew of players that went to Oklahoma State and. Oklahoma and those sort of western flat states are notorious for just constantly having windy conditions and they just learn as a pup to to hit it low sting everything and like Ricky Fowler that's what we say about the Scottish being in Texas yeah exactly they just they know and Victor Hovland he went to Oklahoma State too those guys you know they you can't play golf down there without learning how to keep it low and keeping it low was the was the key like I said especially for those water holes which were just the most brutal kind of holes ever reminds me of the tiger woods 19th hole it's like better hit the green pal <laughs> how did Oklahoma state become like the mecca of college golf anyway like there's <laughs> you, you never hear it as like a golf destination it's like it's not warm all the time how in the hell did that happen i don't know because there's like five guys on the tour now that went to Oklahoma State. Right. Yeah. And they win the NCAA Hobbins, like every year, every other year. Yeah. Georgia or Oklahoma State, it seems like. Stanford, Pepperdine's really good. I don't know. There's a bunch of college programs pretty good. But yeah. And Missouri. Uh, Hovland's a good example of a guy who is a really good golfer. He could win a tournament any of the week, but he is not JT because he can't chip. You know what I mean? Like he's, he can chip some days, but he's just, when it comes to like JT and Rory, like Hovland's not there yet. You know what I mean? He's not that polished a golfer. He's a really good golfer, though. I mean, like he's, I wouldn't necessarily pick JT over him to win their next tournament. But in those conditions that they were, t- we were talking about the players, it's just there's very few guys that can manage those conditions, they have every shot in the bag. Hobbins, a guy I think will get continuously better too because he has like a good attitude towards it. He's always pretty mellow, like he never gets wound up. Where like JT runs a little hot, you know what I mean? Like he can get himself kind of strung out and pissed off. Uh, Hobbins doesn't seem to do that too often. What the hell's happening with uh, John Rahm lately? I feel like he's he was sort of a cut above everybody else for a long time. He still is like one of the best golfers in the world, but like. I don't know. He's been struggling, I feel like, the last few weeks. 
Well, he's even in the time that he's been like number one in the world, he's only, I think he's only won the one tournament during that. I mean, he was obviously very consistent to finish up front in a shitload of them, but I think he, and he would have won, won that one. tournament. They kicked him out for COVID too. That's like, true. He, would, he had like a, he had like an eight stroke lead, something crazy going into the final round and yeah, then got was... booted because of COVID. And I, that definitely probably would have been another win on his, his resume. Yeah, that was, <laughs> it sucks for him. Yeah. Talking about a guy that burns hot. That oh my God, that's what it reminds me. Fire all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's a guy too. You talk about Cam Smith looking like he's from like some West Memphis golf course. I do not expect him to be Spanish. You know what I mean? He's he's got <laughs> right. He's got my life form. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he's a little dumpy. You know, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't got that Euro look about him. You know what I mean? He's got he look. He's got a yeah. very American look. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand how his ball goes as far as it does either because he takes like a half swing at everything. Mm-hmm. So he just must throw the gut into it, I guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> it works. Yeah, him and Finau both does, have that does. super short backswing. Right. At least Finau is like 6'5 or something, so it makes a little more sense, I guess. But yeah, he just has that super short swing and he just absolutely punishes the ball. You talk about a guy that doesn't show any emotion, though, Smith, whether he's hitting a ball within five feet on 17 or he hooks it into the woods. The expression of his face never changes it didn't even really change in the post-round interviews he was like the same like yeah, yeah. played okay yeah just won four million dollars <laughs> played all right <laughs> yeah smith doesn't have the sort of uh, waste management was that the 16th hole vibe going <laughs> right, on yeah. you know it's a little <laughs> a little more chill than that <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, guys, hey, like I said, we do have that interview with Scott Hovis from Missouri Golf Association. We want to dive into that a little bit. Uh, he's going to talk to us about the events coming up for the Missouri Golf Association, and there are a ton. I think there's like over 70 tournaments and events across the state. As the season goes along, we'll be able to talk to some of those folks who are in those events and partner with Missouri Golf, and that's going to be an exciting thing to do to see where this, <laughs> see where this podcast takes us because uh, who knows, but it is exciting to be able to feature some of the talent here locally, and why don't we just jump to that now and hear what Scott has to say. Nutted that thing. I mean, I nutted it. On with us now, I guess this is our first inaugural guest, Scott Hovis, Executive Director of the Missouri Golf Association. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You're the guy in the know when it comes to all things Missouri golf here. So this is spring. The the golf season is ramping up. I looked on the website. It looks like the first thing you got going maybe down in Springfield, Ozark, is a, a senior tour in mid-April. But what are, what's, what can we expect to see from the Missouri Golf Association as uh, the weather hopefully warms up? Yeah, it's a little crazy with the snow today. But, um, you know, we're going to have a we have a great slate of, of venues we're going to play this year um, for our members be able to compete at you know our first event is the senior series event at, at highland springs who's hosted the uh, web.com i guess it's called the corn Ferry tour now at the price cutter for the last 25 plus years and so it's a great place for the players to get to start the year at and then uh, we work our way into the missouri senior uh, four ball which is at fox run in st louis which is another great golf course and then it leads us into the missouri am 115th Missouri Am is at uh, Bell Reef. It's the first time the Missouri Am's been at Bell Reef since 1984, and we're excited about being able to go back. And what a great place for our, you know the golfers in Missouri to be able to compete on. You know they get to play the place where Tiger made his comeback, right? And Brooks held him off, and you know they're going to host the 2030 um, Presidents Cup at Bell Reef, and so uh, it's just got a lot of history and tradition and. 
it's a, it's a great venue uh, to be able to host a championship. And uh, later in July, we have the Missouri Women's Amateur and Mid-Amateur at Norwood Hills, which is host of a senior PGA Tour event now, uh, the Extensions Charity Classic each year. So uh, our stroke plays at Dalhousie. So I can just keep going on and on and on about the venues and the places that are we allow and we're getting to our, our players to get a chance to go compete and have a good time at. Yeah, and I think if anybody's listening and is interested in other events, you can go to mogolf.org and see the entire calendar of events up there. I think I maybe jumped the gun a little bit. Scott, it's no guarantee that just going to be Missouri people listening. Tell them what the Missouri Golf Association is, what it does, and uh, what the uh, what the mission of the Missouri Golf Association is. Yeah, so the Missouri Golf Association, we're a non-for-profit organization, 501c6. And our mission is to provide golf opportunities for people in the state of Missouri. We are the um, rules of golf sanction in our area. We also handle handle the handicap process, the world handicap system where you can get your handicap. We uh, house that here in the office. We do rules for state high school, college events, amateur championships. Our goal is just to grow the game of golf and give more people the opportunity to play the game of golf that uh, we all love. And it's a lifetime sport. It's something you can play at the age of five. It's something you can play at the age of 95. And so we just want to give everybody the best opportunity to be able to enjoy a sport. Talk about growing the sport. Obviously, since the beginning of the coronavirus epidemic, golf has seen a new resurgence. And uh, tell me, how have you? How has that affected you? What have you seen in locally as far as how has golf changed from, say, like summer of 2019 to now coming up on spring of 2022? Yeah, it has. Golf was kind of on a stale spot there for a while. We had the Tiger boom, right, when everybody was building the golf courses in 2000. And then it just kind of leveled off. And then when COVID did hit, uh, it, it picked back up. It's an outdoor sport, as we all know. You can do it away from each other. And so that first summer, um, we didn't know what to expect. You know, we had a lot of things in place to keep people safe while they're out there, you know, keeping the flags in or not touching rakes. And But the game boomed. And now country clubs that we deal with, there are member clubs of ours. You know, a lot of them are sold out. They have waiting lists. They're record numbers each year. You know, there's not very many positive things that come from COVID, but if you look at it, one of the most positive things is for the golf economy has come from COVID. And so it is, it's been good for the game. I know uh, that it's not going to last, um, obviously. I mean, the new norm is going to get back to where the old norm was, right? Where everybody's got to get back to the to work and, and not has much free time to be out. But uh, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping everybody's got the bug and everybody wants to keep playing and our clubs stay vibrant. But uh, COVID has been really good to the game of golf up and down the line. Yeah, obviously that boom has created a lot of new golfers or at least people who have come back to the game maybe hadn't played in a long time. Tell us, uh, is there anything that the Missouri Golf Association does that might appeal to these new golfers who, you know, I think people who are experienced, been around golf, especially in this area for a long time, they might be familiar with some of your events and some things you do, but those specific new golfers that have come on since the COVID pandemic, uh, what can MGA or what can golf bring for them? So, yeah, so we have our, you know, for the younger golfers, we have a junior tour, which is stationed throughout the state and um, it gives these kids an opportunity to, to learn the game. Um, hone their skill, hopefully get a college scholarship. As we both know, I mean, I've got a daughter who's a senior in high school is going to Kansas State next year, and the expense of, of, of college each year is going up and up and up. And so, you know, kids can possibly get a golf, golf scholarship out there, especially, um, you know, young ladies. So there's a lot of opportunities for, for women to get that scholarship. So we have a junior program for the new kit for the newer 
younger golfers you get involved in. Um, we have our senior series, which you mentioned in the opening is our first event, which is for golfers, all levels, all experience from age 50 and over. We have different divisions. You have um, age groups and you can play in the open division or the net division and chance to win. And then we, we've got our normal championships. I mean, some of them are very competitive, obviously like the stroke play or the state amateur on the men's and women's side, but we have a women's scramble event that we do. We have two of them and they're, they're more laid back and they're fun and an opportunity for ladies to get out and enjoy the game and have some social aspects after the round to get to know more people throughout the state and build relationships. You know, one of our most popular events is the parent-child. And we've seen more and more people get involved in the parent-child now since the pandemic started. Different levels, more kids and parents are getting involved in the game. But at the same time, I think it's opened everybody's eyes that life is short and they want to experience something with their their moms or their dads because um, you never know what's around the corner. And uh, it's a great event. We do it at a Port of Chima at the lake, which is one of the top courses in the state and uh, get to play a couple of days and enjoy some family time. And you see it turned into a family vacation. And uh, it's a very it's a very cool event. And so we have all kinds of different things that we can we can offer to different levels, and different capabilities of golfers throughout the state. You mentioned Port of Chima at the lake and Bell Reeve and St. Louis. And, you know, I think. People maybe don't think of Missouri as sort of a golf mecca. Obviously, they think of like Florida or Arizona where the climate is more conducive year-round. But, you know, between the geog- the unique geography, you know, you've got the rolling hills in the south and you got the flatter places in the north and then the different sizes of city with the two urban areas on the sides of the state. And then you've got the little towns dotted throughout. There's a lot of golf options in Missouri. And, of course, what Johnny Morris is doing down in Branson as well. Is there a uh, Is there a part of – Missouri that you have as a favorite area to golf or to discover for golfers? You know, you bring up a lot of different points. I mean, from the southeast corner of the state, you've got Dalhousie, which is a hidden gem, as I say, in Cape Girardeau, all the way up to the northwest part of Missouri, St. Joe Country Club, that that they just, they're making better and better, has a rich history. I really don't have a favorite part. I mean, you got St. Louis has a a lot of history of golf courses, Kansas City as well, and um, the lake and northeast Missouri has some quality good golf courses, or northwest northwest and northeast both do. And then you cannot not talk about what Mr. Morris is doing in, in, in Branson. We were on the map in golfing in the United States, but he's stamping our, our place in it now with the facilities he's built. And, uh, you know, from the Paynes Valley Tiger course to the Crenshaw Core to Buffalo Ridge to the, the two par three courses and, you know, and building the lodging and everything. And I, I don't think I don't think he's done. I think he's just going to keep going and growing it and uh, try to make it into like uh, the Bandon Dunes of the Midwest or the Sea Islands of the Midwest. And what I mean, you can drive to Missouri from wherever, um, you know, from Iowa, you drive to um, to the lake in the summertime. And you go through the parking lots of the golf courses and it's you look at the license, play the license plate game like you did when you're a little kid driving down the highway. You'll see Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Arkansas, Kansas, Minnesota. I mean, they're short trips for the people up north to come down where they think it's quote unquote warmer where you and I are sitting here thinking, no, it's too cold. We need to go south further south. So it's just kind of a snowball effect where they come down and we go down further, but we have a great quality golf courses for all levels and all checkbooks. If you want to spend the big dollars and you want to spend the $300 plus to play golf, we've got those golf courses. But if you only want to spend the 40 to $50, 
uh, we can find you courses that'll blow your mind in the state of Missouri where you're spending less than 50 bucks for 18 holes and maybe a six pack of beer and a hot dog and, uh, it'll make you want to come back for more. So, um, I'm excited for the game of golf in Missouri. I think that uh, we're making a lot of strides and we have a lot of showcase to people throughout the United States. Well, before I let you go, we're going to start a segment, call it our par three. We've got three questions for you. We're going to ask every guest. The first one is what's your favorite club in your bag? And it could be your favorite because it's your nicest, newest, most expensive club, or just because it's the club you trust the most. What club is in your bag that you would never get rid of? So when I grew up starting, you know, I was fortunate. Father started me at the age of three. I always tell people to learn how to hit your seven iron. I can feel like I can hit my seven iron from 50 yards to 200 yards. And so any which way I want to go. So, you know, the seven iron for me is probably the club that I need the most in my bag because I can do whatever I want with it. That's a good suggestion, especially for new golfers who uh, who need something to make them feel comfortable sometimes when they're out there. A second is similar, but probably more important. What's your go-to snack if you're uh, going out for four hours on the course that so you've got to have in the cart with you or uh, handy at least? I know my nutritionist and my doctor's not going to like to hear this, but uh, probably a Snickers bar. There you go. Yeah, it satisfies. So, okay. And then the third and final one, this is kind of a yes or no situation. Do you have any hole-in-one stories you can share? You got any hole-in-one, Scott? I've had nine. Yeah. (laughs) Sucks. kind of thought you might have had a situation. Any that stand out for you you'd like to share? I've had a few different ones. I think, you know, probably the most fun one I've ever had was uh, on a guy's trip in Alabama on a par three golf course on the Robert Trent Jones Trail. We had played golf for 18 holes, and then we all decided we were going to play a fun game with some beer and alternate shot. And so we were all in the same group. I think there was 12 of us in the group. I made a joke into the guy I was riding with, a buddy of mine, like, I'm going to make a one. And he's like, yeah, right. First hole, I hit a shot, and it spun right back into the hole. And here come the beer cart girl, and the guy said, you're not leaving us. So, I mean, it was, a, it was fun. It was expensive. But uh, just to watch all your friends celebrate with you, uh, make a one is uh, is a good time. So that, that was probably one of the one of the top two or three, yeah. Well, I'm thinking about it now. I said I'm going to ask you these three questions, but I can't ask you if you've had a hole in one and you say nine without also asking you, have you ever had to throw a club into the pond just out of the complete opposite side of things? <laughs> have, you, have you lost it on the course? You know, I'm, uh, I haven't. I've never thrown one in the lake. Um, I've maybe tossed a ball, you know, whenever – you know, I was walking by or whatever, uh, frustration, but, um, I don't, uh, I don't really look excited on the golf course. I, you know, playing at the, at the levels I did, you had to learn how to control your emotions. And, um, there's been times where I've wanted to break a putter or sand wedge, you know, walking to the car after the round, <laughs> or maybe I've benched it and put it in the car and said, you're not coming out for a while, but, uh, no, I've never tossed one. In. I've seen it happen quite a few times, but I've never done that first one. Yeah. I think we've all seen it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Scott Hovis from the Missouri Golf Association. And again, if you want to uh, check out what's going on with the Missouri Golf Association in 2022, you can go to mogolf.org and see their calendar. As he mentioned, I think Highland Springs Country Club in Springfield. And then you got one in uh, Millwood and Ozark, I think, on April 18th and 19th for the Men's Senior Series. But there is a extensive lineup of events this year. And thank you so much for coming on with us. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Rip it and rip it. Okay, well, there you go. One thing Scott didn't talk about, guys, is how good a damn golfer he is. <laughs> he is obviously 
you're executive director of the Missouri Golf Association. You better know how to handle a club. And uh, he would make all of us embarrassed. So I don't know if I ever want to golf with Scott. I don't want to be the guy who's like, okay, well, he just shanked it into the woods and I'm on the green. So uh, I'll just sit here and drink my Coca-Cola while he finds his golf ball. It's <laughs> one of the great things about, about golf is that with the handicaps, I mean, you don't have to be a good golfer to not be in good golfer's way. You know, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, you, know, you don't want to shoot over a hundred and have a, a scratch golfer have to sit around and watch you stuff it all over the, the fairway. But golf's one of those games where if you can just sort of hold it together, you can play with just about anybody and not get in their way. I think good golfers would tell you like, hey, I don't really care what your handicap is. Just don't slow me down. Just just golf fast. If you're going to be bad and take six warm-up shots, no thanks. But not that I know of anybody who does that. <laughs> the worse you are, the faster you should be. <laughs> no, that's for sure. I mean, I believe that. And I don't know about for you guys, but like, I don't want to stand up with the ball for too long and get in my head. Yeah. I don't want to stand with the ball with more than a couple of thoughts in my brain and I want to grip it and rip it before I can let anything else seep in. That's the same way with shooting pool for me. Like the, the more I stare at this thing, the more I am just going to jack myself <laughs> up. <laughs> but then on, conversely, when I do hit a really bad shot, I'm like, I God, I should have just sat there and focused a little bit more. Why did I just <laughs> do the thing I said I was going to do? I'll get over my ball and I'll think you're too close to this. You're too close. Hey, back away. You're too close and swing. Never actually stop and back away, just tell myself, Colin, I think you're a little too close to the ball. You're a little too close to the ball. And then just swing anyway. I did it twice today. <laughs> I'm like, why did I not just stop and back away a little bit and swing? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, I just. Well, did it work out for you? I think that's a. No, absolutely not. I was, I pushed it out to the right. That's a disease of every, like, you know, duffer that's in our caliber is like, they'll stand over a chip or something. It's like, okay, open the face up and I want to land the ball here. And, I'm, you know, I needed to like one hop stop. And, but you can't do any of that shit anyway. Like, so what are you talking about? Just hit the ball and try to get it within five feet of the hole, if you're lucky. Colin, he just called you a duffer. Are you going to stand for that? That might be a compliment. <laughs> um. I played today, too, and I felt like, I mean, I'm a bad golfer, and I hit right within my average, but I felt terrible about it. I felt like I was, like, fighting it all day long just to keep it together. But I also wondered, I was like, okay, the more I golf, the more I'm trying to get better. Am I just holding myself to a higher standard now? Or am, am I just, or sometimes I just feel like I'm one, one collapse away from forgetting everything I ever knew and just shooting 120 again. I've reached a, a sort of a strange point in that I was telling Brendan today that I'm starting to hit the ball so much better that I don't know my club distances anymore. You know what I mean? I'm flushing stuff more, which is a good problem to have, but it's sort of screwed up my distance management. And I don't know, I've just, I've really started to really try to lower my swing plane and sort of hit down on the ball when I'm on my irons and it works. I mean, you'll just absolutely fucking crush stuff and you don't have to swing any harder. It's just a better swing. And I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm glad it's starting to happen with some consistency, but it's still, it's, it is completely screwed up my, you know, what should I hit for my 140 club? Am I going to hit just okay with one club or am I going to flush? I don't, I'm, I'm sort of lost out there until I can find more consistency with my irons. Rose, what do you hit from 140 out? It's kind of in between. I have like a, I don't hit long. I'm not very long at all uh, with my irons. Um, That's what your wife Like says. a 145. <laughs> 145 is like an eight for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get it out a little further than that depending on how I hit it, but that's 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 probably I would probably take like a light eight at that shot because I always try to club up rather than down. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel like I'm the shortest golfer of anybody I know. I mean, like a eight iron for me is like one thirty, one thirty five. I don't, 
I just don't hit it very far. I mean, Colin talked about your clubs. I mean, you're two, you're two clubs higher than me a lot of times. And I know, you know, good golfers are like four clubs better than me. Well, you got guys like Bryson DeChambeau, where it's like 233, eight iron. Yeah. It's like, who the <laughs> F can hit an eight iron, 233 yards? But yeah, that's what I am too. I'm like eight irons, basically my 150 club, 140, 150. And then that used to be my seven iron. You know, and now my seven irons like 165, 175, 180 is your sit my six. You know, it's just like I said, it gets better as I golf longer. For those that don't, I mean, I golf a little bit in my twenties, but COVID, me and Brendan were both our yeah. golf is basically born of COVID. We're the cliche. And so we are pretty, we're relatively green as as golfers go. Yeah, though we did have played in the past, and I played a little. I played for a couple summers in my twenties, but not seriously at all. We certainly that's why Rose is the the golf expert among us because he's been doing it longer than anybody else. <laughs> not much, not much. Mm-hmm. I see, you made mention before you said something about Bryson. You talk about a guy that I did not miss in the players. And that is Bryson. That dude dr- drives me nuts. I, I don't know. I, I'll say this. I have no love for Bryson DeChambeau. And I mean, absolutely none. I mean, he sucks. He's a dickhead. I mean, uh, he's pretty obviously a dickhead. And I mean, some people disagree with that, but he, he's a jerk. And, uh, but he's a uh, fun to watch play golf. Like I, I'll say, I mean, I would have liked to seen him take on that course in the players. I'd like to see him sort of implode on day two. Bryson is, while I may not like him, he's fun to watch. The same with like Bubba Watson. Like there's no guy I'd rather watch play golf. But, you know, everybody knows Bubba's kind of a turd from a personality <laughs> standpoint. Like I, I know that Golf Digest or Golf Magazine, one of them did a like a survey and like what golfer would you not help in a fight in the parking lot? Like if you walk in the parking lot and uh, there's another golfer in a fight in the park, would you help them? And like, everybody said the person they would least like to help was Bubba Watson. So, <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about guys yeah. we don't like, I'm going to add Brooks Kepka to the list. I mean, because you got the whole Kepka DeChambeau feud going on. I'm like, I don't like either one of them. They both suck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, I don't, I don't even know that it's Bryson. I dislike so much as the way the commentators like jerk him off. It's like they, sure. I like watching him mash the, his drives and all that stuff. And that's fun to watch. But they make some like big mystery out of the way he like I don't know reads the break of the green relative to the way his balls lay against his leg or something, and I'm like I don't I don't think he's that smart about it. I don't think he really thought about it that way. Like he just beefed up and hits it as hard as he can. I don't know that there's any more to it than that. I think he tries to put on like he's doing some sort of academic kind of analytical research. But at the end of the day, how analytical is it? Like you said, just to smash it as hard as you can to where you're basically <laughs> yeah. your body's getting hard. Yeah. He's not a scientist. He's a meathead. Yeah. There's a, a really fine line, I guess. I cracked all the numbers, and it looks like the best thing to do in this situation is to smash the living <laughs> shit out of it. it hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out swinging super hard yeah. is the secret. Yeah, every time. <laughs> Who would have thought it? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, they, they have very competitive long drive competitions for a reason, you know, <laughs> but the thing is, he's won. I think there was always the talk with him as far as, is he just a glorified long drive competition guy or is he a legitimate player? Oh, on, he's legitimate. On the I don't tour. think anybody has that thought. I mean, he's, he's won a lot of tournaments. He's won a major. I mean, like well, he's, but, a legi- he's legit. Yeah. But I'm saying before he won those, you know, before he won the open, those questions were around, but he has answered them obviously like him or not. He's, you know, he's a competitive golfer and he's at the top of the, the leaderboard a lot of times. He hasn't been playing a lot. And I don't know if it has to do with his wrist or his back or whether it has to do with all the BS surrounding the Saudi league that is or isn't. But uh, we haven't seen champ. We didn't see him at the players. We haven't seen him in a lot of tournaments recently. I'll say this: like I don't. And Kepka, I like Kepka a little better. But you can, I can tell. Like 
if I was actually a player on the uh, tour, I would not like Brooks Kepka. But as a fan, I'm like, I enjoy Brooks Kepka. One thing I like about the like the players that was just the last one that we have we had seen is like it got gets all the big boys out playing golf because I can tell you what like watching the it, like the Valspar this weekend will be a little bit like there'll be plenty of stars missing like I'm a I'm a star whore like I don't want to watch Tom Hoagie win. I want to watch Cam Smith win. I want to watch JT win. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see those guys do their thing. Like, we we're just talking about Bubba Watson. I'm like, there's nobody I'd rather watch play golf than Bubba Watson, you know, but that guy isn't even close to competitive anymore. Speaking of like the star power thing, like, how sad was the PGA on like uh, whatever it was Sunday? I think at that point, there, I mean, JT, I think, was the only star power guy in like the top. 10 forever like there were no names just all over the leaderboard well and even among the stars like i know like patrick cantleg's becoming like legitimately one of the best golfers on tour and i'm like you talk about a guy that i could care less to watch you know he has all the enthusiasm and charisma of a bowl of bland oatmeal and if you looked up white guy in the dictionary there's a picture of patrick cantley <laughs> he's, he's the whitest white guy that ever white <laughs> he's gonna be, he's and I know gonna be the first believe. serial killer on the pga tour i know i know it's controversial to call the guy wearing a goldman sachs hat super white but uh, <laughs> that's my that's my stance <laughs> well, it's I a mean, perfect cover i mean a pga player he can bounce all over the country <laughs> undetected he has that's a reason right. to be there the body's like attached killer. to him yeah, it's it's perfect. There's a comedian like in the seventies who did that. <laughs> it's funny that Colin's worried about court and controversy for calling Patrick Cantley white and roses and at all worried about controversy calling him a serial killer. <laughs> the show is not woke. Um, I don't know. You want to see the guys with personality when that's why I say like I do I think uh, I'd like Patrick Cantley a whole lot more than Bryson DeChambeau if I had to, you know, go out to dinner with one of them? Sure. Do I want to watch Bryson DeChambeau play golf more than I do Patrick Cantley? Yes, absolutely. Only because I think that Bryson would never stop talking about Bryson, and at least Cantley would just be mute. <laughs> you know, imagine if Scotty Scheffler, you bring him into the mix, you might get a white off. You know, Scotty <laughs> Scheffler and, and Patrick Cantley fighting for the whitest guy on the planet, two guys that definitely can't dance and probably have sex through a hole in a bed sheet. I don't know about their dancing Scotty, abilities, but they definitely well, have sex with their hole in a bed sheet. It's Scotty Scheffler. A, a Billy Graham TV special would be more entertaining than Scotty Shepard. Well, they're it kind of synonymous. It's a Billy yeah. Graham special with golf and, <laughs> and Scotty Shepard. Uh, you know, I, I kind of like the nice guys, though. I like Tony Finau, and I like Shane Lowry, <laughs> and Victor Hovland, kind of universally known as sort of a nice guy. Kiggs I do and like Damon. Shane Lowry a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lowry's hole in one was badass. That was cool to see his reaction yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah, it was. But, uh, you know, you don't have to be Brooks Kepke. You don't have to be Nishima. You don't have to be a total dick all the time to be likable. Right. Somebody said something Weird. on the commentary about, like, you know, one guy that, like, on the PGA Tour that he makes the hole in one, he's going to buy everybody the beer in the clubhouse is Lowry. And I'm like, that's my dude right yeah, there. That's yeah. my kind of guy. <laughs> Faraday said it during the broadcast. He's like, anything for a pint, as if he'd hit the hole in one just so <laughs> – he could say he's going to drink a beer later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I got to toast the colon one. Yeah. You're right. But you know John Daly's running to the clubhouse to get his free pint, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, I don't really God know. Bless John Daly. Yeah. I don't really know when or how or where to wrap this up since this is our first episode, but I think we've covered a lot of things. We've talked about how bad at golf we are. Uh, we talked to Scott Hovis about the Missouri Golf Association partnership, which I'm excited to see what becomes of that. Talked a little more PGA than I really expected. Uh, speaking of which, 
in the coming weeks, I think that we will have people who are smarter than us about the PGA tournament coming on. Uh, former players, as a matter of fact, we got connections, so we can, especially as we get this show sort of rocking and rolling on a regular basis. I mean, we're recording this now. We don't really even know when it's going to drop yet. Our, our company hasn't informed us, so we're we're flying by the seat of our pants. But as the season gets rolling and as we're releasing these regularly, it's going to be fun to have guys on who are uh, players or more players or people who are you know competitive golfers unlike duffers like Colin. <laughs> so uh, if you, I, I'll tell you how we'll wrap this up, Brennan. Okay. We'll go around the table. What club in your bag is working for you the best right at this moment? You want me to go? You go first, Brennan. Well, I'm hitting my driver straight, which has been you know my goal for the past three years, but it's not going as far, and I don't know exactly why, but I'll take the straightness of it. And I, I would have said <laughs> a month ago, I would have said my pitching wedge. I said, give me or like a sand wedge, you know, like a high-angle wedge. And so if I'm around the green, you just tell me where to put it, and I'll put it on that green. And then after I think I golfed with Colin about a week ago, and I wasn't golfing too poorly, but I finished 16, 17, and 18 by uh, blading my, <laughs> my wedge across the green every single hole, and I'm completely lost on it, so I'm going to go driver for now. Rose? Um, that's a weird question to ask in, like, mid-March. Um, <laughs> fuck you, Rose. I've, You've been golfing, I know you have. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to golf tomorrow, so I might have to get back to you, but probably my hybrid. I've got me an old man hybrid that never lets me down. I can hit that baby anywhere from, like, 220 to 160, depending on what I need her to do. So sometimes it's the only club I'll get out of the bag. For me, it's my six iron for some reason. Weird. I can't hit my six yeah. iron to save my ass. Well, that's been my story with my six iron most of my life, but of late, like it's been the club that if I'm going to lay up and try to just hit the fairway, I'm just going to grab my six iron and stripe it. It's been working for me. Now, you know, it was a different club a month and a half ago and a different club a month and a half before that. So, you know, hmm. who knows? But right now it's a six. I'm glad no one said the putter. I was going to call bullshit. Yeah, break. <laughs> oh, it's always bad. <laughs> By the way, guys, before we end up, I do want to. I want this to be on the record, on our, being as it's our first show. Our goals, you know, what what do we want to come of this podcast? I have one goal in mind. This is pure metric for success for me. It's like I want be it a sponsor or just ad revenue or I don't know how it comes or I don't care how it comes, but I want to get a fancy new Scotty Cameron putter. And I don't know why I need it. I just know that I do need it. It will not make me better at putting. In fact, I don't even know if I'll be able to tell the difference. But if I can acquire it for free because of this podcast in some way, then I'll have said, this podcast was a real success. <laughs> I, don't know if I agree with that. I, I, want a, I want new putters and stuff. So you know, I hope it goes well. I hope we get very popular. I, I listen to the... Uh, no lane up podcast. They like have a sponsorship deal with Callaway. So if you know, you know, if we can get big enough, you know, for Callaway to just give us free stuff, that'd be pretty sweet. Sure. I'm just, I already have a Scotty Cameron putter that I love dearly, and I won't part with it. So I was hoping to get more like a Pauline Gretzky or something. <laughs> of course, yeah. I think there's only Cameron one of those. Putter. Yeah, yeah, and she's not on the, not up for sale. As far as I know, uh, of course, Rose has the Scotty Cameron already. Uh, I should mention before we uh, sign off that we, you can follow us on social media, Twitter at a good lie podcast, all spelled out. We like to make it hard for you. And if you want to send us a message or talk to the show, you can reach us at agl golf show at gmail.com. So once this drops, when you first hear it, 
After that, we're going to be trying to drop this at least once a week, and we're going to be following local and national golf events and talking about anything in that realm, and uh, we're going to try to have as many interesting golf guests on as possible. So I hope you'll stay tuned and follow us along, and we'll work out the kinks and make this fun for everybody. And till then, there's a lot of ways to win on the course, but if you don't have talent or luck, you can always count on a good lie. The show is not woke.